Hello and welcome to another episode of That 60s Recording Podcast, the podcast that has conversations inspired by the golden era of recording. This week I'm continuing my conversation with John Carter, who was a session singer and songwriter throughout the 60s and 70s um, and onwards. Uh, and I'm speaking with him and his wife, Jill, um, who they were both involved in the music scene quite heavily. And uh, yeah, go and check out the first episode if you haven't already, because it's amazing. Um, some of the stories they've got are um, unbelievable. And it's, it's incredible to hear from people um, who were so deeply ingrained in the music scene. Um, so we'll just dive straight in. Here we go. John Carter and his wife, Jill. A song that seems to be a bit of a a particular sort of standout. Let's go to San Francisco is a, a big move away from kind of, you know, two and a half minute uh sort of what you'd think of as like a you know, a sort of sixties early to mid sixties song, and then Let's Go to San Francisco suddenly becomes a lot more adventurous and um and a sort you know, it's a, a double a double track essentially i mean what was the thinking behind that and how how did you approach writing it and and all of that kind of thing it just seems a really interesting subject that particular song well there's a question <laughs> um what would you think joe summer of love wasn't it it was the whole thing oh yeah she's love and peace and joe's reminding me that that was going on yeah summer of love and all that so we're along those lines yes so you but, were uh, just sort of leaning into all of that. Yeah, uh, but I think it, it it just came as a song, and uh, when it when it does that, I always think it's going to be good. There's no, there's no sitting down saying, "Oh, I don't like that line. I don't like that line." I don't. Like it all just came together. <laughs> um, I mean, it's very nice when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Had you been to America at that point, or were you were you kind of visualizing what you imagined? Um, might be oh, always visualizing. <laughs> we, we never went to any of these places. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a, just a, you know, an absolutely it's a standout song, and it's a real departure from everything else that that you'd sort of done up yeah. until that point. Um, and that was sort of moving into the flower pot men and and all of that kind of era of of writing. Were you deliberately? I mean, it was just another another guys that you, you were under, wasn't it? You know, another well, project yeah, that you did, yeah. I think we're always trying to do something a bit different. Um, we didn't like to copy people, shall we say? <laughs> so, yeah, oh, so you were you were actively trying to be, you know, trying to sort of stay out of the out of the box, so to speak. Yeah. What? Um, think... Sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. When 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 we wrote San Francisco, we you know we actually sat down and said let's let's do something a bit different now, and I think it did sound different when we finished it. Oh, absolutely, and and I love the fact that it was a conscious decision. Um, you know, I think that's uh, so so often people think that as a you know as a songwriter, songs just appear, but actually they appear through conscious decision and and hard work on on your part. Quite agree. Um, so then. I, I kind of I enjoy the idea that you are a creative songwriter, sort of writing. Um, when I say creative songwriter, there's in in my mind there's two there's a split between songs that are sort of emotionally connected to you, and then songs that are 
you know, for adverts or TV or or some sort of commercial purpose. And did it? Did you do you enjoy both of those things, or um, was the commercial side of it? Because that's kind of what you moved into through the seventies. Was that something that you just did because that's where the work was, or you know, do you just enjoy writing overall? Well, I do enjoy writing, but um, when I got offered you know, jobs for, uh, for writing music for adverts, commercial writing, um, how could you turn it down? Because <laughs> they, they offered you a lot of money to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, and you also wrote a huge amount for films through the 70s too. Was that, was that something that was a challenge? I don't, I don't think I wrote many film things. I mean, there was a um, maybe I've maybe I've got my um, my list wrong, but there was seemed to be two or three. Maybe they were just songs that you'd written that featured on the films, and you weren't actively writing a you know a complete yeah. soundtrack for a film. I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Cow. Paul Cow. Yeah. So was he? Was you suggested it? Was he somebody who sort of linked you up with that kind of thing? A publisher in in some cases. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, the the uh, the final sort of main major thing I was interested in was working with your wife in Kincaid. Um, I know she's right there with you. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, watch what you say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the suggestion I I've read is the uh, that Jill brought a bit more uh, maturity to the lyric writing. Um, but how how was it? How was it? She's written? laughing now. She's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can answer that, Jill. Go on. Well, I don't know about maturity. Um, I never really enjoyed songs that were just about love and, you know, pretty boring. And you like to expand it a bit. I, I like to have a bit of imagination in the songs that I like to listen to, and that's what I was hoping to when we got together to to write when John asked me if I'd like to give it a go because I think about that time uh, I think Jeff had um, moved away to Switzerland and yes, I think right. Ken had left the business and I was a sort of handy you know and cheap <laughs> <laughs> were you did you feel a bit um skeptical about uh, working with John or we did you think it was going to be okay no, um, no, I think it was going to be fine. I mean, we've we've been married a long time by then, and so we knew one another's funny little ways, yes. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> as you do. And uh, I just thought, yeah, it, it sounded like fun. It sounded like a nice thing to do. So he just write down, or he put down on a cassette um, the general outline the overall shape of the song, told me where the hook should be, where the chorus came, at least I, I could find that out for myself. Yeah. And um, he just leave me with it to mull over it while I was doing the washing up. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd present it back to him and he would say, no, that doesn't, that's not going to work and that doesn't sing right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really like the the idea, but, you know, the, the, the title's good. So <laughs> we worked it from there. <laughs> it's great. Did you, so when you were coming up with um, sort of melodic ideas, would you uh, sort of mumble almost kind of nonsense lyrics and then wait till something came along how did how did your sort of process work 
um, John would sort of put nonsense words in from uh, the, the bits that were necessary, yeah. you know, to, to actually get the idea over and to fit with the, the musical idea. And then I would write something and he would try and play it through with the, the words. And that's when he'd say, this, this doesn't sing right. It needs more, you know, to be, emph the emphasis isn't in the right place. And these sort of musical things that not being a musician myself, I wasn't used to. Mm -hmm. And eventually I, I got the hang of how you need to fit the, the lyrics to the, the phrasing of the, the, the music. Yeah. So, and then it sort of, I improved over the years. And we managed to write a few hits. <laughs> I I know from working with um, so I'm a drummer by trade, and I know from working with people who aren't drummers, and they tried to explain the things for me to do. Um, I really enjoy that because they they don't do the natural things that I do, um, yeah. as a drummer. So I I wonder if um, I, I don't know who who wants to answer this necessarily, but presumably for you, you were approaching it in a sort of non-musical way and that must have been quite refreshing for you John to to have um, a completely different opinion and, and set of ears on on the music yeah I think that's right I mean together I think it, it came over it came very very good didn't it it came together it came together yeah so this um, really I, I wasn't interested in being a songwriter and I didn't really know what I was doing and John did because he been doing it for years and we sort of meshed together in the middle and I think we, we made a pretty good combination and also we got all the money didn't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's the other thing as well that, that really appealed to John <laughs> maybe I should start writing songs with my wife <laughs> well, well try, yeah. try it try it <laughs> I can imagine it's pretty uh, sort of cathartic for you, or like a good challenge for your marriage to, to to do that. If you can write songs together and and it be harmonious, then um, you'll you can get through anything. Well, it, at the beginning, it was a bit um, door slamming. You know, <laughs> I've I've flogged my guts out over this, and you don't like it. All right, if that's how you feel, slam. You know. <laughs> um, um, do you? I mean, presume you must have had recording experiences together as well. How did how did that kind of, you know, was it different being in the studio in terms of less of the song itself, but more of the production of a song? Uh, how how did that work? Did you both have ideas on how a song should sound, or did you leave it to a producer, or how how did the oh, sort no. of recording side of things work? No, John John always had the production side tied up. I mean, I I have no idea how orchestrations happen, and you know whether something sounds right or not. He he was always the genius behind the production. So <laughs> I, I used to sit at the desk and do a bit of mixing occasionally, but not nothing nothing um you know artistic, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> I think a mix engineers would uh, would say that that was artistic. Um, oh well, I, I wasn't even doing the artistic <laughs> bits of <laughs> mixing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bringing bringing things in and bringing them out again. That was all. Yeah. When there was when there was a big mix, it, I think it was for, it was actually for Beach Baby where lots of lots of stuff was happening. Yeah. You know, and the the uh, engineer um, who was I think it was Nick Ryan, wasn't it? At the audio. Yeah. Um, he you know he'd only got one pair of hands, so I was an extra pair of hands doing stuff 
at the other end of the desk. Um, but John was always the, the genius with the productions. John, did oh, you... of... oh, sorry, 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 Joe. sorry, Joe. I was going to say, and of course, with the um, the MDs, the you know the orchestrations that yeah. he um, was involved with. I mean, we had loads of fantastic arrangers, so um, Jerry Butler and um, Alan Hawkshaw, mm. uh, ooh, and many more, many, many more. Yeah. Um, was was there a, a with sort of a routine with how? Uh, you sort of approached recording um, in terms of, uh, you know, it's something that I, I personally am going back to a lot is recording everybody in the same room. And that's obviously that's been lost for the last sort of 30 years or so. But then, you know, back back in the sort of 60s and 70s, that's kind of was the way to do it. So did you. Um, so when when sort of John, you're picturing a song, you'd get the basic band together. And would you know, would you picture in your mind's eye sort of where you were headed with it? Uh, definitely, yeah, and uh, you know, we decide, wouldn't we, uh, what instruments we wanted on it. Well, you you it's... used to brief the arranger very, yeah. very particularly before yeah. the session. Yeah, and we, yeah, we knew, we knew what we wanted, didn't we? Yeah, there was none was... of that sort of. Oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, but it was all done in in the one studio. All one studio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a three-hour session, I, I imagine that you you'd be in and, you know, sort of get everything done reasonably quickly. Oh, yeah. Three-hour session, we get three, three songs to record. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. Sometimes it was uh, all day, all night as well. Those were the, the complicated songs. <laughs> well, yeah, like uh, San Francisco and Beach Road. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's, that's sort of where the change was. I, I suppose before, it all happened around a similar time, I guess before sort of 67, um, everything was three-hour sessions. You know, um, yes. I remember speaking to Clem about the, you know, the the specific times of each of these sessions, and then. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. It was uh, ten till one, two till five, and seven till ten. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it was, you know, three in a day for sessions. I mean, obviously for Clem it was, and for the backing singers as well. That's that's how you know the, the routine went. If you were lucky enough to get booked. <laughs> Was it? I mean, there must have been a, a good little team of you all together that were were picking up quite a lot of the work. That's true. Oh yes. yeah, it was. We did a lot of little, stuff. Little, yeah. Regular band, more or less. It was, yeah, and uh, and good money. And that's how the Southerners got together, really, because yeah. a lot of the session singers, the session yeah. musicians, were um, part of that, doing the the recordings, and yeah. you know, the the Southerners just became. The traveling band—it's like a little gang, really, wasn't it? You'd, you'd meet the same people in different studios. You know, you go from one to another, and they say, "Oh, I didn't know you were coming to this one." <laughs> <laughs> Did you have particular favorites? You know, if you if you turned up at a session and um, you know there was a a particular guitarist or bass player on it, you'd think, "Oh, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a good one." You know, a, a good a good few hours, or you know, I'm not necessarily asking. For names, but if there was a few that you were kind of thinking, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll get through this next three hours. I, I certainly did. I, you know, I had a look round who, who was on the session, and I thought, oh, thank goodness it's him on guitar. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it must. It must have. I, I really. I can't stop. Um, I, can't, I basically can't stop gushing over how cool that the, the whole the whole thing sounds. I like the idea of the structure of it and the pressure of you having to 
complete something in a in a short space of time or numerous things in a short space of time and and doing that sort of repeatedly and and how what impact that has on the music not having to think about things too much and just getting it done um you know how how do you picture now in hindsight the the way that the music sort of came together and how how quickly those decisions were made and and the sort of exciting uh the exciting feel that the music from that era has good question <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the musicians were all so professional. Yeah, they they knew their job inside out, and they were creative with it. Creative, so, and they had a feel for how all this should sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, very and they, quickly. They put all that into doing a couple of tracks in three hours, and it just turned into you know hit after hit. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> it's so it make it. It sounds so simple when you say it like like that, but uh, you know it's a lot of skill involved in all of that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and it must have been the other thing that that surprises me. I know I enjoy a lot about that the that era particularly is as how you know it must have been quite a big turnaround from going and doing a session to seeing the the track go out. Um, you know everything was so fast, whereas now artists will sit on an album or a, a track or a single for for months on end before it sees the light of day. And, um, you know, that must have been quite an exciting feeling to be involved with the session and then hear the track back on the radio um, a short time after. Absolutely true, yeah. And uh, it, it, would, it always surprised me if the radio was on and this suddenly something came on that I was singing. I, I didn't know it was going to be on the radio. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never knew if it was going to be released. I mean, sometimes you, no, yeah, you, you do just, sessions. And you were just there for the job of doing the session. Oh, you never know if it was the next hit or the next yeah. release or the next... Yeah. You're just glad you got paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, little brown envelopes always happen. <laughs> <laughs> Did you um, have any... I mean, uh, was there any kind of standout uh, either sessions or moments that that sort of you have stayed with you over the years as as particularly um, something you're fond of or you know something interesting that happened that or you know particular times that you remember. Gosh, what about the the Who sessions? Oh yeah, yeah, we did some sessions with the Who. Was this for I can't explain? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to hear about that if you can remember anything from those sessions. Well. All I can say is there was nothing on paper yeah. for us, and we made it up as we went along, and they were pleased with it. So that's all you can ask for, I think. Oh well, yeah. I mean, there you go. It's these the professionalism that you just talked about. You you know, you go in and do a job. Yeah, that's right. Do you remember working with? Am I right in thinking you worked with Shell Talmy a little a, a bit? Um, a little bit, I think. Yeah, not not very much. I don't think. Okay, because he—I know he was um, involved in. I think he was involved in a few who, a, a few bits with the who, and and he, um, you know, he's obviously American, so the, the, his way of working will have been slightly different, I, I suppose. Yeah. To, to the way that the UK producers worked. Yeah, that's that's true. Did you have particular producers that you enjoyed working with more than others, or were you know how did it how did that work? Were you consistently booked by the same producers, or was it a fixer that booked the sessions? It was, it was different producers, yeah, but I used to like the ones that actually didn't know what they wanted, so they came up to you and said, do what you like and make it sound good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it lets you do your thing, doesn't it? 
that's right. I'm also correct in thinking that you sang on um, the Tom Jones hit. It's not unusual. Obviously, that's the, the hit that made him huge. So uh, yes. you were involved in that as well. Do you remember that? Session? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. And I thought at the end, that's a hit. <laughs> And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his—he's uh, even now still his his voice is absolutely knockout, and he's a—he's a born performer. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's very good. He was great on the session. Yeah, he's a nice guy, actually. Um, I I love it. I I I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I um you know appreciate that um <laughs> that you don't want to sit talking to me all day, but I really I really enjoy listening to all uh, to all these stories. Um, something I always ask is, um, and I, I kind of feel like I know what your answer is going to be already, but if, if you could give a, almost like a piece of advice to, to your younger self or, you know, a reflection on, on, I guess this is for both of you guys. Cause I'd be interested in both of your answers about that time and just how it felt or, you know, the way and an approach to life that you had at that point that, that led to some of the opportunities that you you've had. Do you love me first? Well, I don't know. I just feel I was very privileged to be able to be involved in the music business because it's such an exciting, it was an, a vibrant sort of profession to be in and, you know, just a fabulous chance to, and also to, you know, work with somebody that you love. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think that that's, um, that's not a thing that a lot of people... Um, have the honour to do, is it really? That's absolutely true. How about you, John? Um, well, what can I say after that? Well, your motto was be stick to it and do what you love. And I think it was an exciting time. I really do, because not knowing what you've got to do and you had to find out just when you get there, it was very exciting. Because you thought, oh, how can I handle this? Uh, you know, I'll do this and that. But you didn't have a whole week to think about it. <laughs> it was just a, a few hours. Yeah. And, and make, being your own boss as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. Not relying on anyone. Yeah. It's um, something that I, if if I was to sort of say how it, you know, from from an outsider's perspective, looking at, um, a lot of the people I've spoken to, including you guys, about it. It seems to me that there's a there's a few things that that you've all got in common, which is you know confidence in in what you do and a willingness to just say yes and put yourself in in uncomfortable situations and see what happens. Would you say I that that's that, fair? That's absolutely true. I think yes, you hit the nail on the head there. And I, it's it's almost like a, a lust for a lust for life, just enjoying it. Go for the ride and see see what the ride's got in store for you. Definitely. And usually, it was a little bit of money at the end. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm, I, we should pro- we should talk about the um, this compilation because it's quite a bit more extensive than a few of the other compilations that you've um, you, you know have been released with your name on. Um, do you you know how did it all come about and where did a lot of these these songs get sort of dug up from? Honestly, uh, Joe, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> It came as a bit of a surprise to us both with, um, um, you know, we got the the word from the guys at Cherry Red that they were going to put this huge compilation together. You know, David Wells was 
doing the sleeve notes and he with he had his own compilation company about 10 years ago or so and he'd already done a few um different cds over periods of john's career yeah. back, back 10 years or so ago so he knew some of the catalog and cherry red had also put out compilations of old stuff um, hits from the past and I suppose they thought I mean John's 80 now so they thought it might be a good idea to have a sort of general bringing together of an overview of his musical career because he he spanned quite a large chunk of the 20th century well yes absolutely yeah it's um have you noticed there there seems to be a bit of a resurgence of um particularly sort of 60s and 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 up until the sort of mid 70s to late 70s of of a resurgence of interest in in that period of time um i mean i think for all the reasons that we've spoken about today really but is that something that you've noticed from being involved with it i think so yeah oh definitely yeah yeah lots more um groups on facebook of you know fans of 60s and 70s music and people a lot more knowledgeable about it you know i suppose it's got the historical aspect that they think it's interesting enough to be far enough back to you know to be different from yeah. say the electronic stuff of the 80s and 90s and uh, disco and punk real. It was yes, it was very down to earth mm. music rather than, um, well, as I say, technology yeah. rather than. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to think when when someone you know sang a, a bum note mm. in our day, they couldn't do anything about it. Oh, it was yeah, you'd stay. have to take yeah. it. You have to now, retake it. Now they can say, "Don't worry, we'll just put that out and." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, it was sort of all instant, and if it didn't if it didn't go right the first time, you had to do it again. Yes. Until you got it right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of, I mean, humans like like imperfect things, and um, we've sort of moved into a world that's perfect. And yeah, because we, as we begin to realise, we quite like imperfect things. We go back to, yes. to this era that yeah. was imperfect, and, um, and it's, it's more beautiful for it. Yeah, more humanity involved. Yeah. Um, absolutely, and I also think that there's quite a lot of um, the sort of anorak side of things is interesting too. You know, lots of different people singing and playing on different records. So sometimes you didn't know who played on each one, and um, you know, it's so long ago that even you know, even people who were there can't remember because they were so busy doing everything. It, you know, not, exactly. And um, yeah, it's a sort of a bit of discovery about it as well if you find stuff out like that. Yeah, definitely. It's um, digging into the the prehistory of stuff. Um, yeah, finding out. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I mean, thank you both so much for speaking with me. And I, I, um, I didn't realise I was going to be speaking with both of you. That's made me, made my day. And I think um, this has been a, a fantastic conversation for it. So thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. So there we have it, the final part of my conversation with John Carter and his wife, Jill. Um, I loved that conversation. I'm sure that you, uh, you kind of understood if you listened to the first part. I said the conversation took a little while to get going. And by the end there, they were both 
seem to be really freely remembering things that happened and um that's one of the things that I really enjoy about um about doing this podcast is is the moments where I can just sit back and not say anything and and let listen to people reminiscing on on those times you know it's really fascinating to hear um the sort of details on on how everything went down through that era really it was a really special time for music um which is why you're listening to this podcast and as much as the sort of uh technicalities of recording are interesting which I do obviously do a huge amount of episodes on it's also really interesting to hear from people who were sort of on the front line if so to speak you know producing the material the the songs that that people were recording and recording on the records themselves and ultimately as sort of John mentions a lot of times for money it's a job for for these guys and that fascinates me too you know we think of a uh, a lot of career musicians nowadays uh come from backgrounds where they don't need to worry too much about money and you know for a lot of the musicians working through the the 60s a lot of it was you know obviously born through a love of mu- of of music but um I almost said money then uh, but music but yeah it, a, a lot of it was you got paid at the end of the day and it was a great way to earn a living you know it was it was very different in terms of attitudes to working um back then I sound like I'm speaking from experience you know I I <laughs> obviously wasn't born then so I don't know but yeah it just I just love hearing about it um so please do go and check out the playlist that I've put together um the link will be in the show notes and as I said at the end of the last episode, go to um, cherryred.co.uk and you can check out this new compilation record, My World Fell Down, which is a four CD compilation of uh, John Carter's sort of uh, history, really. There's lots of different guises and lots of different styles. And honest to God, it's incredible. I absolutely love it. They haven't paid me to say this. <laughs> it's just genuinely really good. I'm looking at the website now. So it comes out on March 18th, which will be the, by the time you're listening to this. Um, and it's it's only 20 quid for four, C, four CDs and however many, five and a half hours worth of music. And yeah, just go and get it. It's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Um, super. So that just leaves me to say, if you'd like to get in touch with me or check out anything that I do, you can do that at allyouneedisdrums.com. I'm also on Instagram at allyouneedisdrums. Um, on my website, you can find out more about the drum stems and things I do, the Beatles tracks I've re-recorded. Um, on Instagram, you can also keep up with the happenings at my studio. Um, had some really exciting sessions for uh, some 60s icons come in recently, which I will no doubt tell you more about as, uh, as we go on with this. Um, you can also purchase a mug and any of the CDs on there. Uh, which all help support this podcast. So thank you to everybody and anybody that's been buying those. I really do appreciate it. Um, And then do get in contact with me. I love hearing from the listeners. If you've got guest suggestions, feedback, anything like that, don't hesitate to send me an email. I'm just a human at the end of a laptop and I love to hear from you. That just leaves me to say a big thank you to Adam Mallet for the artwork he supplies every week to Joe Kane for the intro and outro music and to Rory Hancock for the his editing and uploading and doing all of the legwork that this podcast needs. So I really appreciate all of you and I appreciate you guys for listening and I will be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.